I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. After doing 250-odd episodes about how to improve your health, one reoccurring theme keeps showing up when I talk to the health experts that I interview, and that is the effect on light on our body. So just like a whole food can be broken down into different vitamins and minerals, sunlight can actually be broken down into different colors. And just like the nutrients in whole food, each color of sunlight has its own effect on our bodies. And each color has its own unique properties and penetrates your body in different ways. So once absorbed into your body, light energy is converted into cellular energy. And this kicks off a series of metabolic events like the formation of new capillaries, elevated production of collagen, and the release of ATP. And red light therapy in particular has been approved by the FDA, and its effectiveness has been studied throughout the world. So when it comes to doing the red light therapy, which is something I do just about every day, there's one device that I use and one device only because it's the best one I've found, and it's called a Juve. If you want to check this out, head over to juve.com forward slash Luke. That's J-O-O-V-V, juve.com forward slash Luke. Once you get to that link, you're going to get a special bonus offer for them. And uh, you're going to learn everything there is to know about red light therapy. Not only do they sell these devices, they do a great job of educating you on exactly what they do and why you want to add this to your regimen. So get to juve.com forward slash Luke. Over the years, I've seen the rise in awareness around gut health. And what's come along with that is the rise in probiotic products. And unfortunately, most of them don't work. I've tried a lot of them. And frankly, I think they are mostly a waste of money for a number of different reasons, one of which being they really don't survive the gut. That's why I love our friends over at Just Thrive Probiotic. They've got a spore-based probiotic. It's DNA verified and has 100% survivability. That means it actually gets into your gut and does what it's supposed to do. It's also vegan, non-GMO, soy-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, salt-free, nut-free, and gluten-free. Most importantly, it actually works. It's got clinically proven strains for leaky gut, and they're doing nine other ongoing human clinical trials at this very moment. It's a great way to support your immune system and your brain. If your gut is not working right, guess what? Your brain's not gonna work right either. A lot of times when we have uh, fatigue and we're tired and brain fog and all these kind of symptoms we have up in the dome, it's actually coming from down below in the gut. So we got to get that cleared out. And Just Thrive is an amazing way to do that. If you want to get your hands on some, it's very easy. Get over to thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. Then use the code Luke15 to save 15% off your entire order. That's thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. Get your hands on some of these spore-based probiotics and you can say goodbye to gut and digestion problems. Get over to thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. And again, use the code Luke15 to save 15% off your order.
Welcome to another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. This is a solo Q&A show number 295, and the questions you're about to hear answered by yours truly were taken from the Facebook group known as the Lifestylist Podcast Facebook group. So if you'd like to post some questions and have them answered on a future show, you know what to do. Join the group. There's about 6,000 of us in there at this point, and we'd love to have you. I'd also like to take a moment to give thanks and gratitude and praise to you listeners for bringing the show officially to 5 million downloads. I cannot believe it. And I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to deliver almost 300 episodes of the show over the past four years. And uh, to hit that number of downloads is just astonishing. And that is all because of you and your Willingness to share the show with friends and family and post it on social media and uh, help me with this mission, which is to help inspire and teach people how to build the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. And most of the time, this show uh, tends to center around those topics, as does the aforementioned Facebook group. So again, if you're someone who has questions about such things in life, please post them to the group and... uh, I said that really funny. Please post them to the group and uh, I'll do my best to answer them on a future episode. So thanks for the 5 million downloads. Couldn't have done it without you, baby. Now on to business. So we are on the verge of uh, launching the EMF Masterclass I've been talking about for the past few weeks. Uh, By the time this episode airs, it might very well be out. So if you want to learn everything there is to know about EMFs, Go to lukestory.com slash EMF Masterclass. That's lukestory.com slash EMF Masterclass. This course is only $149. It's over five hours of content. And uh, I I have to tell you humbly that we have over-delivered on this particular course. And um, the reason that I chose to do this one as my first online course is just because EMF, I think, is the greatest threat to not only human health, but all living organisms on the planet. And I think anything we can do to help mitigate uh, this particular risk is just a huge benefit to you and your loved ones. And uh, that's why I chose to do this class. The reason it's only 149 instead of you know 949, which it probably should be, is because of the uh, you know the issues people are having with employment and such as a result of the current lockdowns. And also because once you start to dive into the EMF issues in your life and home, you're going to find that you're probably going to have to spend a few bucks to fix it. So I didn't want to create a $1,000 class and you go through that content for five hours and at the end of it go, great, I just spent a thousand bucks and now I have to go spend a bunch of money to fix the EMF issues. So I wanted to leave some budget uh, there for you to actually deal with it. In some cases, you might need to get shielding paint or EMF harmonizing devices or shielding curtains or uh, protection devices for your laptops, uh, phones, etc. You might want to um, hardwire your internet, so you have to buy a bunch of Ethernet cable and adapters. Uh, it's not cheap sometimes to fix the EMF in your house depending on how bad it is. So I wanted to make this course super accessible and affordable for people uh, so that you're able to actually then go and do something about it. And I want to say also to not be intimidated by the EMF thing. It's pretty sciencey and geeky, but if you have the right person teaching you about it, which in this case is me and my co-host of the class, Brian Hoyer, who's been on the show before, 
you don't really need to understand all the science. You just have to have someone come to your place and do a reading and then start working on fixing it. And you don't have to fix all of it at once. This course teaches you how to fix it piecemeal, just little by little, and also how to keep a level head about it and not to get caught in that limbic system, fear, adrenaline, cortisol, freak out place that's probably as bad for you as being exposed to EMF. So it's it's a non-paranoid approach to just facing the harsh reality of EMF, but just you know using logic and common sense to fix it. So again, if you want to get on board with that, that's lukestory.com slash EMF masterclass. Okay, let's talk about today's episode. So uh, all of our lovely friends in the Facebook group post some amazing questions as usual. And I find it so interesting to go into the group and um, you know, observe the questions. Sometimes they go in there and type quick answers or provide links and things like that. I also have a moderator, uh, John Bowers, who is in the group helping to answer questions because frankly, with 6,000 people in there, it would be a full-time job for me to do so. But it's really interesting because uh, a lot of the questions have to do with like health and biohacking. And personally, I kind of find those to be the most mundane because in my estimation and in my own personal life and experience, doing the inner work and healing childhood trauma, overcoming addiction issues, um, you know, meditation, spirituality, those are the things that really give life meaning. And if you go inward and work on yourself spiritually, oftentimes physical problems that you're having magically disappear or at least are dramatically improved. So when I choose the questions from the group, uh, sometimes I want to just avoid all of the physical health questions because, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't think it's the, the most important thing. Um, however, there are some questions in here sometimes when it comes to physical health that I think um, are really troubling. And if I feel like I can point someone in the right direction in terms of how to deal with that, and to teach their body how to heal itself accordingly, then I'm going to answer them. So today we've got a mix of um, some psychology, some spirituality, and some physical health and biohacking questions. And the questions are as follows. How to deal with an abusive father? Does running water from a spring through a Berkey filter restructure that water? The difference between biodynamic farming and permaculture? How to heal ulcerated colitis without medical intervention or drugs? how to find commercially available red tape to cover the sources of blue light in your home, how to find authentic sources of kundalini yoga classes online, how to clean your brain and restore mental function, how to prevent or deal with sun damage, wrinkles, and sunspots, how to hack a broken heart during self-isolation. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I'll see if I can answer that. It's been a while since I've had one, but man, I'm familiar with that. Uh, how to prevent or restore male pattern baldness. I'm working on that one myself too. What to do if a vegan diet is making you dizzy and lightheaded. A very common experience um, based on feedback that I've gotten over the years. And then finally, how to improve eyesight naturally and stop wearing glasses or contacts. So before I jump into these questions from the Facebook group, I want to give my uh, standard disclaimer and let you know that you are listening to a man that dropped out of high school has no formal training. And um, if you seek answers to your medical conditions, uh, I advise you to always seek professional help from a medical professional of sorts. Uh, what I'm doing here is relaying things that I've learned on my journey and 
um, hopefully inspiring you to overcome some of the issues that you're challenged by, by sharing the ways that I've overcome them or uh, lessons I've learned from the almost 300 people that I've interviewed on this podcast. So um, although I don't always have the answer to a question, it's likely that I've interviewed someone that does. And oftentimes I go ahead and just give direct answers from someone that I know and respect that is you know, professionally trained or educated on such matters. So uh, I don't want you to take the disclaimer as saying like, I don't know anything. I'm being self-deprecating by saying I didn't finish high school because it's just the truth and I'm just being funny. Uh, I do believe I have some definite value to contribute here, but I would not take this episode as bona fide medical advice. I think it has something to do with me not getting sued later if you're like, hey, you told me how to fix my hemorrhoids and I blew my butt up with a firecracker. Not my problem. So uh, enter at your own risk. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and kick her off then. So James asked the question. I always leave, leave the uh, last names out, you know, just in the interest of anonymity since the Lifestylist Podcast Facebook group is technically private. Uh, he says, I'm looking for advice on healing from an abusive father. And, oh man, I, I understand this one. Um during my youth, I was faced with some very challenging teachers, uh, the adults in my life. <laughs> I don't want to name names, but um, you know, I love my parents and have great relationships with both of them now. But um, let's face it, many of us come from very dysfunctional lineages. Uh, I've been doing some research on my family history, and man, whew, there's a lot of dysfunction going back multi-generations, and uh, much of that ended up in my lap as a kid. And I've spent most of my adult life recovering from that and from the um, various addictions that ensued as a feeble attempt at coping with that childhood trauma, etc. So first thing I want to say to James is I love you, man, and I feel your pain. Uh, I know you're a younger guy. I've seen you in the group. And if you ever hear this, um, you know, my heart goes out to you. And I, I know that it's challenging because when you're dependent on your parents financially and you're in a situation um, where there's abuse taking place and there's dysfunction or alcoholism or, you know, anything like that, um, it's not as easy just to say like, oh, get out of that relationship. And even when you're an adult and you're in a destructive or abusive relationship, a trust man, know how difficult it is to get out of those too, even though uh, you might be an autonomous adult that is financially responsible for yourself. Uh, we see this often when people are um, entangled in relationships that are abusive and they just can't get out and you know all their friends are going, God, why don't you just leave? And you can't leave because you're addicted to the familiarity of that uh, trauma loop that you've built with that people. So um, it's a challenging situation, but I'll rattle off a few pieces of advice um, as best I can based on my experience. And the first one is, man, for anyone, if you're in any kind of abusive relationship of any kind, uh, it's likely very difficult to awaken the abusers to their behavior and get them to change. Changing other people is almost always impossible. So for me, uh, the formula that I use in relationship and have used for many years is, is this a situation that I can just accept and surrender to? In other words, like, is it my perception of this relationship or this experience that's causing me grief? Or is it the person or situation in reality? 
And so is this something I can accept? If I can't accept this situation and it is just impossible for me to be healthy and happy in that relationship, then can I communicate with that person and get them to change their ways? Uh, In most cases, as I said, that is unlikely, although not impossible if the person you're dealing with has some ability to be honest with themselves and has some degree of humility and compassion. Um, And then the other option is accepting that this situation is unacceptable to me and they need to be blocked and I'm out, period. I'm done. Now, this is difficult to do if you're a teenager and you're dependent on your parents. I acknowledge that. But I would say to James, man, you know, if there's a, a healthy, stable relative you can live with or a friend, if you can get a job and learn how to support yourself as quickly as possible. But I just encourage anyone that's in an abusive relationship to find a way out as soon as you possibly can, because the price to pay for enduring abuse can last a lifetime. And you're going to find yourself sitting in a lot of therapy or a lot of plant medicine ceremonies, undoing all the shit that's happening to you uh, when you're younger. And take it from me, I've been doing it for years, as I said. The next one would be to attend Al-Anon meetings. Al-Anon meetings and Codependence Anonymous meetings are a fantastic way to learn how to regain your own independence and sovereignty, even in situations in which you can't leave or won't leave for whatever reason. Uh, They're a great uh, teaching and based on the extremely powerful and effective 12 steps, of course, that uh, enable each person to build their own relationship with a higher power of their understanding and to use that relationship to change the way you think and feel from the inside out. So I definitely recommend getting to Al-Anon or a CODA meeting uh, as a means by which to deal with this. And even I would recommend if you've endured abuse from someone, anyone would probably be served to Um, explore 12-step meetings that are based on human relationships. And those are two of them that I'm aware of. The next one is to see a trauma or family therapist. Even if you can't get out of that house or that relationship right now, seeing a therapist that can help you proactively heal yourself on an emotional and spiritual level, even while the abuse continues to happen, would be better than doing nothing and just sitting there and becoming resentful and compounding the pain. I would also recommend listening to as many free podcasts as you can about uh, family dynamics, trauma, codependency, addictive relationships, etc. There is so much great information out there now. Uh, There are podcasts that are just based on that particular topic. They're just all about dysfunctional families, dysfunctional relationships. Uh, And I think that there's just an incredible amount of value to be had there for free. Um, In the not free category, there's a couple incredibly transformative experiences that I've had, uh, one of them called the Hoffman Process. I've also done a podcast about the Hoffman Process. It's Both of these recommendations are, I think, between two and $5,000 for like a week-long intensive, not accessible to everyone, and certainly perhaps not um, a teenager who's still living at home, but something to look into in terms of undoing and healing the wounds that we often endure at the hands of our caregivers and intimate relationships. Uh, So that's the Hoffman process. And then the other one is a program called the Living Centered Program at Onsite in Nashville. I went there years ago, actually a couple times. And um, just incredibly um, grounding, healing, centering, as the name would imply, 
week-long intensive there where you really dig into your family dynamics and history and unpack that and uh, do a lot of really deep shadow work to start to heal and um, undo that damage. And by the way, the episode on the Hoffman process was episode 126, if you want to go back and listen to that. And I would also say, um, you know, there's a list of books that I'm going to give now that are spiritual in their nature. And these are books that I've personally read or listened to over and over and over and over again. I've been doing this nonstop for over two decades. And I have to say, especially, I mean, the reading for sure, but especially listening to audiobooks and audio programs by spiritual teachers has been one of the most transformative practices in my life to help me reorient the way that I perceive my reality. And it's um, kind of self-induced voluntary brainwashing. It's just listening over and over and over again to healthy universal truths rather than station K fuck that's usually playing through a brain like mine. Forgive my um, foul language there, especially for the underage folks, but there's just no other way to say it. I guess I could say KFUC or KFU, you get it. Uh, anyway, here's the list of books, many of which you can find on audio. And these are, I mean, these have shaped who I am as a man, just honestly, and helped me grow up and come into my own and help me orient myself in a world uh, that often can be scary and confusing. <laughs> and having a spiritual orientation to life and its many challenges, uh, in my estimation, is the way up and out and also a way that we can transmute our suffering into growth and evolution, which is really the point of all suffering, is how can we turn suffering into learning here on the Earth School. First book is David Hawkins' Letting Go. And also the ultimate David R. Hawkins Library, which is an audio program you can get on Audible. That's kind of just, you know, the cream of the crop, David R. Hawkins teachings. He's my all-time favorite teacher. I was listening to him this morning, actually, uh, talking about uh, success, um, his version of success, which is really more inner success. The Power of Now and a New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, or Tolle, depending on who you ask. Another one, There's a Spiritual Solution to Every Problem by Wayne Dyer, Sermon on the Mount by Emmett Fox, the book 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, which is, um, of course, part of the AA um, literature. And um, that book in particular, there's another book called Alcoholics Anonymous, which is generally referred to as the big book because it's a big blue book. But specifically, the book 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, or as it's sometimes called, 12 and 12 or 12 by 12 is an exploration into the teachings of the 12 steps in and of themselves and is absolutely, in my opinion, applicable to all of life's problems and challenges, not just problems with drinking. So applying the 12 steps to your life uh, would be my advice to anyone that's struggling with anything. Next one is A Course in Miracles. Uh, it's a bit of a tough read, and it's also, you know, there's a Course in Miracles book, then there's the workbook. The workbook is 365 lessons. I've probably made it up to day 24 and dropped the ball. I've never been able to complete, up in, you know, maybe I will in the future, but at this point, complete A Course in Miracles. But I have listened to it a lot, and many of the lessons in there are just absolutely foundational 
to the way I live my life. Uh, One of my favorite principles, just as a takeaway from A Course in Miracles, is posing the question to yourself when you find yourself in conflict, would I rather be happy or would I rather be right? (laughs) Try that one on next time you find yourself tempted to argue with someone who's just incorrigible. Next one is Infinite Self by Stuart Wilde. The Journey Beyond Enlightenment by Stuart Wilde. Um, uh, Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. Uh, and he's got another one, I think, that that breaks it down called What God Said by Neil Donald Walsh, which is the 25 core messages from Conversations with God that will change your life and the world. That book was um, like A Course in Miracles and so many of these other books um i would say the you know the books out of the 12 step movements are the same way they're they're not even books they're channeled messages from the great beyond you know in my opinion there's just there's it's difficult to see how one person could sit down and just write that book off the dome uh they are just way too powerful and way too timeless and so books like that specifically the neil donald walsh books which i haven't looked at in a long time but they're in my collection and we're really pivotal at one point in my journey. It's just obvious when you read it that it's not coming from a human's mind. It's just not. They're messages from the great beyond and from God and are extremely healing and transformative. Next one is Loving What Is by Byron Katie, who you can also hear on this podcast on episode 142. Byron Katie is also one of my all-time, I mean, it's hard to say like, oh, this person or that person is my favorite spiritual teacher. But Byron Katie's uh, teachings have just absolutely transformed my life, specifically the way I think. And so I'd highly recommend that one, The Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton, who was also on the show on episode 200, uh, which is, by the way, my by far most downloaded episode of all almost 300 now at this point. So definitely check out The Bruce Lipton Show on episode 200. Next book is Evolve Your Brain. Uh, Also, You Are the Placebo and Becoming Supernatural, all by Dr. Joe Dispenza, who was on this show on episode 259, another crowd favorite. And then the original Be Here Now talks by Ram Dass. Now, you can get the Be Here Now book if you want to read the book, but you can get all of the talks on Audible. And Ram Dass is, again, like in my top five of spiritual teachers. And by the way, the Ram Dass podcast He's now passed uh, on to the great beyond um, <laughs> or left his body as, uh, as his teachings would probably say. But the Ramdas podcast is, I think it comes out every week and I've listened to every single one they've ever published. It's on the Be Here Now network and it's just compilations of all of his talks from the 60s through recent months uh, before he passed. And I just find his teachings incredibly fun and relatable and applicable and timeless. So Ram Dass, one of my personal heroes, someone that, you know, used a lot of psychedelics for a time and then realized that um, where psychedelics take you can be achieved through other means and then started doing his work on the Natch through meditation and various practices. So for James... Uh, again, my heart goes out to you, brother, and um, just know that there is hope and there's always a way out and that there's always a solution, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how sad it is, no matter how alone you feel, man, there's always a way to heal and there is always an answer. And um, investigating some of the suggestions that I just 
um, gave will definitely start to shift things for you, in my humble opinion, based on my life experience. And that question, as I said, really, you know, kind of hit me because I relate. And um, I remember feeling trapped and not being able to get out of a situation that was well, actually not a situation. I've been in a lot of situations in my life, not even as a victim though. Most of them self-induced and chosen by me out of my own stupidity or selfishness or whatever got me into that goddamn situation to begin with. doesn't matter what the problem is, guys. The answer is always the same. To me, the answer is always in gaining a spiritual understanding and position from which you live your life. It's all about God. And if that turns you off, I know what to tell you. I'm I'm finding these days I don't I just got to stop apologizing and pussyfooting around. Um, and by the way, that's not a sexist term. It has to do with how a cat walks around because cats are skittish. Um, I'm going to stop pussyfooting around the God word. It just is what it is. Like you're either you know willing to believe that there's something greater than yourself or you're not, and you think you're omniscient and you are the be all end all. And you know what? Maybe you are. What do I know? I just know in my own experience. The more God I have in my life and the less me there is in my life, the happier I am. And that's all the proof that I need. Okay, on to Michelle's question. Uh, Let's see. Any suggestions on how to biohack a broken heart during self-isolation? Oh, man, God. A similar kind of question. A few of these answers are going to, um, you know, be repetitive because for matters of the heart, and uh, human suffering, again, the answer is always the same uh, to me. It's in more spirituality, less me. But I do definitely relate to the broken heart issue. Mine's been broken um, many times, again, usually at my own hand, or at least by decisions that I've made. And I take responsibility for those decisions then and now. Uh, Luckily, at this moment, I'm in a a beautiful and healthy relationship with the love of my life. And uh, I think that type of broken heart is going to be a thing of the past, although it's very possible that my heart could be broken in other ways, and I'm sure it will be. And I welcome that breaking because as one of my great teachers once told me uh, this lesson, I will never forget. And I'll pass this on to you, Michelle, and anyone listening. A broken heart is an open heart. That one always gets me. The meaning of that, as I understand it, in my experience, is that when the fragile yet sometimes seemingly impermeable wall of the ego, that shell, that armor is broken by what we call a heartbreak or emotional pain, Uh, oftentimes that is the chink in the armor that allows the sunlight of the spirit in. And that through these experiences in which we suffer emotionally, we can find the key to humility and we can become teachable and we can learn how to apply self-compassion and self-love and self-healing that's going to further elevate our ability to allow healthy love in from others and to express healthy love to those that we deem deserving of it. So a broken heart is an open heart. And just remember that, Michelle, as you go through 
uh, this challenging time, which by now you probably found your way through, to be honest, because these questions came in weeks ago and now, you know, this is coming out. But anyway, they're they're still relevant because, listen, like who hasn't had a broken heart? And um, spoiler alert, if you haven't had one, your ass is going to. So, um, you know, it's something to be prepared for and frankly, something to cherish, you know, in my experience as painful as some of these transitions were, and especially around relationships and romantic relationships where you're learning how to become vulnerable and embracing intimacy and allowing yourself to be put in a position where you can be rejected or uh, in some cases abused or abandoned, et cetera, all those childhood fears. And you're kind of going, all right, give me your best. Like, let's go for this. And you're jumping off that proverbial cliff, hoping that your parachute opens and you remember where the string is and then you don't and it doesn't and you crash uh, to the bottom uh, to your seeming demise only to find that that was just another one of the lessons that's going to get you closer to where you want to be. And I'm personally so grateful for every broken heart I've had and whether it's been broken by um, my own doing or by Uh, that of others, I'm just filled with gratitude because that's enabled me to go deeper within myself and really stay committed to my own healing and the the continued opening of my heart and mind. And um, hopefully the continued teachability and humility of um, acknowledging my frailty and how sensitive I am as a man and as a person and that that's okay. And so, Michelle, what I would recommend first off out of anything is to recontextualize the broken heart as uh, a sensation you're experiencing in your body or a series of sensations. We call them feelings. We call them emotions. And that no matter how bad it hurts, it will not kill you. What could kill you is bypassing those emotions, not facing them, stuffing them with food, social media, TV, sex, another bad relationship, drugs, alcohol, whatever your you know, chosen weapon of choice is when it comes to suppressing or repressing uncomfortable sensations. Don't bypass, walk through it. The only way around it is through it. The only way to walk through a challenging situation is to embrace that pain in your chest, that pressure in your chest when your heart feels like it's going to explode behind your ribs is to just let it do what it needs to do. That's the only way to transmute that suffering into growth is to go right goddamn through it. And it's easy for me to say here today because like I said, right at this moment, my heart's good, my lady's good, but we've all been through it. And um, you know, whether it's from a relationship or some other experience in life, man, uh, being human is hard. It's hard. Let's face it. It's, this is not the easy path. And if you're someone who's on a spiritual path, who man, I'm sorry, uh, you signed up for the hardest path because true spiritual evolution comes from facing shadow from facing those parts of ourselves and those feelings and thoughts and sensations that are uncomfortable to experience. So don't bypass, go through it, feel it 100%. It's like, as David Hawkins says, if you're having problems with anger and you, you can't get past your anger issues, he says, you know why? Cause you're not angry enough. Like you got to feel it. You got to get through it. If you're sad and you can't get over being sad, you know why? Cause you're not sad enough 
You've got to experience the depth of that grief and that sadness and walk through it with bravery. After the bravery phase, uh, it's also, in my opinion, really important to get love and support from friends. I know some of us are better at reaching out than others. Some of us have a really easy time saying, hey, man, I'm hurting. Would you hold me? Would you listen to me? Would you just be my friend? Can I vent? Uh, Can we spend some time together? Uh, That's difficult to do for those of us that are, you know, very independent and pride ourselves on not needing other people. Well, let me tell you what, man, human beings are social creatures. We are human apes. And if you watch apes in the wild, they're extremely social. They constantly groom each other, hug each other, love each other, punch each other, have sex with each other. Uh, We human apes are meant to be in close physical proximity to a lot of people all the time. For those of you that are introverts, you're like, ew, gross. Some of us are geared that way more so than others, but the fact is we are meant to lean on one another and that's just the healthy way to exist as a human animal is to have physical touch and support and affection. You know, I I look back on years in my life where it's like days and days went by without like giving someone a hug or getting a hug and I thought like, oh, I don't need people. Like I'm tough. I can do this on my own. And now as a 49-year-old man, like I'm happy to admit that I need other people and especially when I'm going through a challenging time. And, um, you know, advice here would be also listen to the Bill Withers song, Lean On Me. That says it better than anything. Um, Another one for Michelle here is do every Byron Katie online class that you can so you can learn how to separate reality from the fiction that is your mind. And I don't mean your mind in an accusatory sense. I mean, every human mind is a complete phantasmagoria of fiction and fake news. Uh, Byron Katie will and can teach you how to discern truth from falsehood by questioning your thoughts. Another great way to move through emotions is breathwork. You can do online breathwork classes right now. Wanderlust is a good resource. Uh, might consider, and I'm going to offer this with a you know air of caution. Again, go back to my disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. Something called CAP therapy or ketamine-assisted uh, therapy. Uh, there's a gentleman that was on my show. I don't have the episode right in front of me, but Dr. David Rabin or a similar professional that works with ketamine or even psilocybin or MDMA. I know this sounds crazy, but there is a lot of research uh, that supports the efficacy of overcoming emotional pain and trauma, doing these things in a guided, guided, professionally guided um, setting, you know, with the proper context and formula. Uh, But I do definitely believe in the healing powers of different compounds, um, some of them of the psychedelic nature. Again, huge disclaimer there. I'm not talking about going to a rave to escape your feelings of the broken heart. I'm talking about sitting down with a professional and facing them in a very real way, which psychedelics will help you do uh, if that is your path. Writing and journaling is a huge uh, gift when it comes to expressing emotions that are painful to us something that I do from time to time when I'm just losing my shit is I call it a brain drain and I just get a pad of paper out and I just write every psychotic thing that I'm thinking in order to literally physically express or press out of my body and my physiology that negativity. 
Um, again, disclaimer here, alongside the CAP therapy or other clinical psychedelic therapies, I'm going to put a big maybe with an asterisk here because this will not be right for all people at all times, but I cannot ignore the fact that in my own subjective experience, the intentional ceremonial shamanic use of plant medicines has been incredibly healing and transformative. I've been able to face pain that I've experienced in my life with such clarity and bravery with the assistance of guides, shaman, and uh, medicines like peyote, um, psilocybin, MDMA, I know that's not a plant medicine, but it was taken in my case in conjunction with uh, psilocybin, which was an incredibly powerful experience. And also, of course, ayahuasca and um, bufo alvarius toad or the DMT toad, uh, as it's known. So again, plant medicine, psychedelics, not for everyone, especially maybe not for everyone that's sober. <laughs> um, I've been safe so far. I've been quite intentional and hopefully careful about... Um, my use, but as I said, I just I cannot pretend like those experiences haven't completely revolutionized my life. And that's just me. You know, that's just my journey. It took me, for those of you that have not heard, I've done episodes on peyote and ayahuasca and all this stuff. So if you look through the feed, you'll see a lot of content around those experiences. I haven't done one about the toad or psilocybin yet, but I'll get there. Um, but I waited to go that route for 22 years. I was sober 22 years before I ever took anything mind-altering with the intention of healing and growing spiritually and having that type of experience. So for those of you that are you know, trying to stay off the sauce or the blow or the weed or whatever your jam was, um, enter at your own risk there. However, that being said, it's, I also have to admit that I've met many people that have actually healed their addiction issues using plant medicines and or psychedelics. So it's a crazy world out there. It makes no sense considering the fact that um, throughout recorded history of addiction recovery, what has been most effective for most people is complete 100% abstinence from all mind-altering chemicals. And in fact, that's what got me to my first 22 years. Now I'm creeping up on 24 years and still consider myself to be sober and um, someone who has done a lot of inner healing on the natch for all of those years um, by the means that I've just described in the last couple of questions here, and then absolutely skyrocketed into a next level of healing and understanding by those experiences. Um, and then of course, also for Michelle here is all the books that I just mentioned, man, like if, if I was in, you know, an emotional tough spot right now, Number one thing I would do is I would turn off all social media. I would not be watching any TV. I would not be watching movies. All I would be doing is listening to spiritual programs and audiobooks nonstop, 24-7. And when I mean nonstop, I mean even when I sleep. I did that for years. I would brainwash myself listening to you know, eight hours a night of David Hawkins just on repeat, just subconsciously, intentionally brainwashing myself with truth. Because as I said, in the you know teachings of Byron Katie, you learn uh, most of the stuff that comes out of your brain is just not the truth. It's an opinion that the mind forms in an effort to protect you from harm. You know, I'm not of the belief that the 
the psychological framework of ego or the framework of mind or thinking is there to hurt you or there to kill you and something that you must get rid of. It's something that you must befriend and get to know in an intimate way because those thoughts, even though they feel like they're going to kill you and often cause us to make so many ill-fated decisions, uh, those thoughts and that thinking and that mind and that ego and the personality and all of that stuff that we consider in spiritual context to be the false self and something generally you want to get rid of, in my estimation, is something that you want to fully embrace and become aware of and learn how to love and live with because those thoughts and impulses and instincts are given to us by creation, by God, in order to facilitate our survival in our physical world. So uh, learning how to identify and question your thoughts in the way that Byron Katie does can be extremely transformative and something that I highly recommend to anyone, uh, regardless of what it is that you happen to be going through at the moment. So, uh, you know, I think both of those particular questions elicit many of the same answers, you know, and those answers sometimes are ones that are not easy to hear because they require uh, a really high degree of bravery and courage. Uh, And that said, I can guarantee 100% that everyone listening to this is fully capable of not only facing uncomfortable emotions, feelings, and thoughts, but also learning how to overcome them through prayer, meditation, spiritual study, sitting at the feet of spiritual masters, whether it be in person, in darshan, in a yoga class, a meditation class, a breathwork class, a sound bath, or even just by your lonesome, sitting there with some headphones on, listening to someone like Ram Das, just drop truth and infusing that truth into your consciousness until it becomes resonant with who you are on a daily basis. Next question is from Jamie. This is a water question. I love the water questions because I'm like, oh, this is someone who's new to the show because I've I've riffed on like water practices, maybe like the first two years of the podcast. I feel like all I talked about was water. Uh, but Jamie asked this great question, which I'm not demeaning. I just find it funny because, you know, I'm like, oh man, we, we there's a lot here. Um, she says, if I take, well, I don't know if it's a she actually, but whoever it is, Um, Jamie says, if I take my Berkey filter up to a stream and filter the stream water into bottles, is it structured water to begin with? And does it stay structured in the bottles? Now, this could be a four hour answer. So the first thing I want to say to answer this is I've basically answered every question anyone's ever had about water in my free download, which is called The Ultimate Water Guide. And you can find this comprehensive guide to drinking water, bathing water, water filters, whether I think the Kangen machine is legit, alkaline water, anything you could ever want to know about water as a health practice, which to me is is fundamental to anyone wanting to live a healthy life. If you're just drinking like lightly filtered tap water or tap water, you're not doing yourself any favors, especially if you want to ascend spiritually and you are calcifying your pineal gland with fluoride, which is a whole other conversation. But anyway, I've got an amazing comprehensive free guide to all things water. You can find it here. Get ready to jot this down. Ready? One, two, three. Here goes. LukeStory.com slash 129. That's LukeStory.com slash 129. Put that in your browser 
lukestory.com slash 129. It's a free water guide. If you have a US phone, you can shoot me a text right now uh, to the number 44222. So the number you're going to text is 44222. In the body of that text, all you have to write is the water guide. So text the water guide to the number 44222 on a US phone or on a browser. Go to lukestory.com slash 129. And all you do is enter your name and email. It's a little trick there to get you on my email list. You can always unsubscribe after you get the goddamn free guide. You know what I'm saying? But you won't because I don't send out weird emails. I only email you awesome stuff. Uh, But that explains everything I know about water, which at this point is quite a lot. I've also done uh, a former podcast trilogy. We'll put this in the show notes. It was called The Water Wars, part one, two, and three. I did that a couple years ago. It's about six hours worth of content answering questions just like this. But to Jamie's question specifically, um, I would personally not collect water from a stream. My, that's just me. When I get water from nature, it's from a spring, which is different than a stream, creek, brook, river, lake, ocean, etc. A spring technically is called a spring because that is the fountainhead or the springhead where water erupts from below the surface from an aquifer and breaks the surface of the earth and uh, is hence called a spring. And ideally, you're collecting that spring water at the source, meaning not downstream, like down the hill, 200 feet or a quarter mile or whatever. You're getting that water right as it breaches the surface, which is the true definition of a spring, hence like spring forth, right? The water springs out of the ground. Uh, That water is much less likely to be contaminated. However, from what I understand, and don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that Berkey filters do filter out microbes and funk from the water that would be likely present in stream water. Now that said, personally, I wouldn't do it unless I was in an Armageddon doomsday apocalypse situation, which it looks like we might soon be in. So take note uh, if they keep up with the scamdemic stuff. But uh, anyway, <laughs> um The Berkey filter, from what I understand, for a countertop filter is a good choice. I would just check whether or not it adequately removes microbes from water, which would, again, likely be present if you're getting water from a stream or a creek and still could be present from a spring. Not all springs are created equal. And in the water guide that I just sent you guys to, I explain all that. But for now... I would like to point you to a site called findaspring.com. That's findaspring.com, which is an amazing resource for finding drinking springs around the world. It is user-generated. There's links in there and GPS coordinates and all that stuff. Is coordinates a word? I don't think so. Coordinates? I don't know how to say that. Someone in ex-military, please correct me on how to say that word. Uh, GPS locations <laughs> around the world where you can find drinking springs. And oftentimes in the notes on findaspring.com, you'll find someone that says, hey, we had the, this water tested as a lab. It's clean. It's good. Everyone in the community drinks it. Or sometimes people will be like, hey, we had this tested and there's you know microbes in it or something like that. So findaspring.com is a great place to find drinking springs. And now my friend Chris Sanborn, who also owns Live Spring Water, where I get my drinking water personally, Uh, They deliver in California. That's livespringwater.com. 
Uh, Chris told me that he was going to start putting hot springs on findaspring.com as well, which is super cool. And I believe he's already done that. So that's an amazing site. And when you do find a spring in your area, or for that matter, you know, if you want to be a, uh, you know, a wild card like Jamie and get some water from a stream and filter it through your Berkey, I would definitely recommend if you're going to drink water on a regular basis that you have it analyzed at a proper lab. I have a lab for you here. It's called edgeanalytical.com. That's edgeanalytical.com. You can send a water sample in and they're going to tell you if it has heavy metals, pesticides, funk, bugs, etc. Now, as far as Jamie's question about structuring the water, yes, uh, water that is found in nature that is running is technically structured, meaning that it has a different molecular structure as it moves through space and time under the earth or on the surface of the earth that renders that water what we would call structured. When water sits, it becomes unstructured or stagnant. In other words, the molecular structure of water changes when you let it sit there. So if you have water just sitting in bottles, yes, it's going to essentially do what I call going flat, meaning that the life force, the energetics of that water is going to become stagnant if it's let sitting there. One way you can do that is you can vortex the water yourself. I have a device called the Vitalizer Plus that vortexes the water using minerals and magnets and restructures it so that it's more similar to water found in nature. Uh, Water that travels in nature travels in a shape that could be best described as DNA. If you look at DNA, it's sort of uh, a spiral, right? Well, that's how water moves. If you study the work of Victor Schauberger, uh, he does a lot of uh, research on the nature of water, how it moves and um, what the best practices are in terms of getting it into your body. Because of course, evolutionarily speaking, uh, we are all here because our ancestors of old drank spring water. Those that drank water that was unsafe and contaminated by animal dung, etc., did not live likely to tell the tale. So spring water, in my opinion, especially water that's been tested and proven to be safe, is the best water in the world to drink. Next question, Leela says, do you happen to know if and how biodynamic farming and permaculture intersect or or, or differ? I'm getting ready to learn about permaculture, but would love to understand biodynamic to see what fits for my needs and values. Uh, I have no idea, Leela. (laughs) That's my answer. That's not my area of expertise. However, I put the question in here, even at the risk of showing the lack of knowledge I have in this area, To let you know that uh, last Tuesday, episode 295 with Stephen Smith answered this question uh, very specifically. And uh, that episode was all about uh, hemp, cannabis, CBD, etc. But there was a lot of content in that conversation about permaculture and biodynamic farming. So um, my experience of biodynamic farming is quite limited, but I do drink biodynamic coffee made by Zen Bunny. And by the way, you can find that at lukestory.com slash store best coffee in the freaking universe. That's Zen Bunny Biodynamic Coffee. And then at my favorite place in the world, which is called Cuixmala in Mexico, spelled with a C. Uh, By the way, my Cuixmala August event got postponed till January for those of you that wanted to go. Super bummed. Uh, You can blame the New World Order, Illuminati, pedo, elite class of freaks that are shutting down the world for God knows what on that getting canceled. Uh, but, um, anyway, at Queeksmala, 
What's fantastic is their entire property is a 30,000-acre eco-preserve complete with a biodynamic farm, which is amazing. And I've never tasted food that delicious. So I'm a huge fan of biodynamic farm. It's very witchy. Uh, when I visited the farm at Queeksmala, by the way, there is an episode about the Queeksmala Biodynamic Farm. Damn it, I wish I had the number in front of me. I thought I really prepped my notes for this one. But Leela, you can learn more about biodynamic farming on the Queeksmala Mexico episode. Just search your podcast player. Or if my team at Crate Media is super badass when they hear this, they're going to put that episode in the show notes. Uh, and you'll be able to go back and refer to that. But I'm a huge proponent and fan of all things biodynamic. And for those listening that have no idea what that is, it's like organic on steroids. It's organic times 10,000. It's way beyond organic when it comes to the production of food. Next, Bryn asks, trying to help a friend with some natural solutions to ulcerative colitis. That's what you say when you're like embarrassed about the thing you have. You're like, yeah, a friend of mine. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure it is Bryn's uh, friend. He was on Humira, which I'm assuming is an RX, and he keeps having allergic reactions to that family of drugs. Yes, there we go. It is a drug. Any biohacks you guys know of that specifically help? I know stress triggers it, but I was thinking of getting him a biomat, mini, or a belt. What else? Oh, Bren, you're a sweet friend, man. Like, this is so cool. This is what's great about this Facebook group that we put together and the 6,000 people in there. Oftentimes, people don't come in. They're like, hey, I have this problem. How do I fix it? They're like, hey, someone I love has this problem. How can I help them? And um, that's so meaningful to me as someone who believes that uh, the key to happiness is living a life of service. And uh, I've committed myself to that to the best of my ability, although I'm sure I do it imperfectly. So Bryn, right on you for being a dope friend to your uh, friend who's stuck with ulcerative colitis. Now, in terms of an answer, uh, giving a blanket answer to this question is tough because it ignores everyone's bio-individuality. That said, a good guideline to follow would be, as a first step, uh, is give the problem some crutches to lean on. This means giving the inflammatory response a break for a moment so that your gut can uh, essentially soothe itself, at least for long enough to absorb the nutrients you're going to need to begin healing. So that means eliminating the most obvious food sensitivities like nuts, dairy, eggs, wheat, processed foods, nightshades, etc. And personally, I would recommend just eliminating those foods uh, for the most part whenever possible. Although I do eat personally, yeah, I eat some macadamia nuts here or there. I definitely like pastured egg yolks, but not the white. The white is the inflammatory part, not the yolk. Uh, and I eat a little bit of dairy, but for the most part, um, grains, nuts, all that kind of stuff, nightshades, pretty much off the menu. Okay, so once that's dialed in, go a level up and consider removing high histamine foods that could be perpetuating the inflammatory cycle. And then once you're a little more stable, you can support detoxification by getting a light daily sweat, uh, eating steamed foods that can assist the liver like dandelion, artichoke, beets, uh, cruciferous vegetables, garlic, and gluten-free oats. All the while, definitely prioritize meditation, sunlight, and lymphatic drainage. A light rebounding session, for example, on a Bellicon. It's my favorite rebounder. I'm looking at mine right now in the backyard. I jumped on it right before I recorded because I was feeling a little lackadaisical. 
or even just doing some jumping jacks on some carpeting can be a big help. In other words, just move the energy in your body. Now, to dive deep into all matters colitis and IBD, someone who's been a very well-kept secret here in LA for several years and has now moved on from this city is entering the online world in a bigger way. And he's a personal friend of mine, a great guy and an expert at all things gut and digestion recovery. His name is Jordan Kravitz. Now, my friend Jordan was, and he's going to be on the show one of these days. We just keep... It's it's like, it sucks when you have friends and you want them on your show, you can barely find time to hang out with them. You know how that is? Let alone have them sit down for two or maybe three hour podcast episode. But Jordan Kravitz is going to be on the show one of these days. No relation to Lenny Kravitz. But by the way, if anyone knows Lenny Kravitz, I'd love to have uh, have him on the show. So please um, send me some information on how to contact his people. Back to Jordan Kravitz. Jordan was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2015, and after getting handed the pamphlets all about the drugs he'd need from the head of the IBD clinic here at Cedars-Sinai in LA, Jordan uh, proceeded to laugh at that doctor and said he can keep his drugs. I'm going to fix this shit myself. No pun intended. Then he went on an absolutely crazy journey to reverse Crohn's disease, and today he enjoys excellent digestive health, and he's personally my go-to guy when I'm having some health issues, and he's just an absolute wizard. And thanks to his unique approach to healing inflammatory gut issues of all kinds, uh, he's the guy I'd go to. So if you want to connect with him and learn more, I reached out to him with this question, and uh, turns out he's willing to help, or at least will be soon. So if you want to do a one-on-one coaching with him, you can check out his website at jordankravitz.com. That's K-R-A-V-I-T-Z. And use the contact page to get in touch with him. Or you can just email him directly. And Jordan, if you ever hear this, I'm sorry for this, but you could get a lot of emails. So be ready. Uh, Usually when I have someone on the show talking about what they do, they get inundated with requests. And I hope that's the case. Uh, You can email Jordan at jordan at jordankravitz.com. Make sure to tell him I sent you. So there's some point of reference there. And of course, this goes without saying, uh, but he's someone I recommend. You can definitely be sure that his approach to healing is as unconventional as his crazy story is. His story involves fecal implants and all sorts of hardcore stuff. Uh, I don't know that he's going to recommend that to you per se, so don't trip. But uh, if anyone could fix your gut, it's probably my friend Jordan. So again, that's jordankravitz.com or shoot him an email at jordankravitz. No, I'm sorry. Jordan at jordankravitz.com. Okay, Uh, let's see. Next question. I don't know who this one's from, but it says, well-beings worldwide, does anyone have recommendations for commercially available red tape? I can't seem to find anything good on Amazon or local stores or even Luke's store. And, uh, oh, this person's handle, I get it, is well-beings worldwide. That's their name. So you can follow them on Facebook. Uh, I do, in fact, have this tape available on my site, my friend. Uh, You can find that at lukestory.com slash store. And if you look under the uh, biohacking section, you will find something called Junk Light Dots by TrueDark. And you'll get a discount there and live happily ever after. You can also, and I'll put all the stuff in the show notes, of course, to this episode, which you can find at my site, lukestory.com. I did a little research on this question because sometimes those true dark dots and little stickers are kind of small. And if you're trying to cover, 
a huge swath of blue light, which by the way, that's why this person wants red tape because they want to cover blue light exposure. So they sleep like a boss and are true biohackers and care about their circadian biology. You can also find something called uh, lithographer's tape. I think I'm pronouncing that like lithograph, lithographer's tape on Amazon. And they sh- uh, sell this 3M lithographer's tape. Again, I'll put it in the show notes. And it um, comes in rolls of like 72 yards. And I think that tape would be also really useful for applications like that because it is transparent so you can see light through it, but it kills all the blue light. So that's a pretty cool resource. Gina asks, anyone have recommendations for authentic kundalini yoga full classes online? Yes, I do. I would highly recommend that you go to my all-time favorite teacher, Tage, at ninetreasuresyoga.com. That's nine treasures nine treasuresyoga.com. She does Zoom classes every day at 9 a.m. Pacific, seven days a week. Uh, Tage does not play. She's been teaching on that schedule for something like 20, 30 years. She is very committed, amazing woman. She's also on the podcast, and I think that was episode 12 back in the beginning if you want to hear from her. And then you can find some great kundalini classes, of course, at ramayogainstitute.com. And when you get over to Rama Yoga Institute, you want to look for Rama TV and you can find classes taught by um, Guru Jagat, who's been on the show before. And you can also find, I think, a couple of my workshops that I've done at Rama where I teach some kundalini yoga and uh, various exercises for healing and awakening. So those are good resources. And I think right now when everyone's kind of stuck at home and we're under this totalitarian martial law light, doing some kundalini yoga is a great way to clear your mind and move the energy that is stagnant in your body and spirit. So I'm all about the kundalini yoga, breath work, kriyas, movement, all that stuff. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. I'd like to take a moment to talk about EMF or electromagnetic frequencies. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know this is a huge issue in our home environment and in the world collectively. In my opinion, this is one of the greatest threats to not only human health, but all life on earth. So I've done everything I can to mitigate the EMF in my house. And I've spent so much time and energy doing so that I decided to create an entire online course for you about it. It's going to be launching in a few weeks and I'm going to give you an opportunity now to get on the wait list and save yourself $100 on the course. I created this course because I'm extremely sensitive to EMF and I found this out the hard way by living unknowingly under two massive cell towers for three years. I suffered from insomnia, migraines, blurred vision, vertigo, nausea, I was sick all the time. It was a train wreck. And as you know, if you're a listener, again, uh, I'm a pretty healthy guy. I'm very committed to my physical health and uh, these EMFs just wrecked me. So when I moved into this house, I made a commitment to make this house EMF free or as safe as I could. And as I started to do that, I realized, wow, this is a lot of work. So I went ahead and turned it into an online course. It's over four hours of content. There's seven modules and six bonus videos. It is extremely comprehensive and also entertaining. So we go through the house and we look at all the different sources of EMF from everything from a hair dryer to the 
you know, Wi-Fi enabled heater to the Sonos speakers, to the Wi-Fi router, the electric toothbrush, every biohacking gadget in the house. We even tested the flicker level on the lighting. I mean, it's a really comprehensive home assessment with Brian Hoyer, uh, one of the foremost experts in EMF mitigation. And by the end of this course, you're going to know how to discover the EMF sources in your home and how to fix them. It's pretty amazing. I'm really excited about that. So if you want to save $100 off the course and get on the wait list, here's what you do. Go to lukestory.com slash EMF masterclass. That's lukestory.com slash EMF masterclass. Or if you have a U.S. phone, you can text the word EMF masterclass to the number 44222. That's all one word, EMF masterclass to the number 44222. Get on that wait list. You're going to save yourself $100 and you will be the first to be notified when the course is released in the coming weeks. And now back to the interview. Catherine says, I had a really clear message in my meditation just now. It was clean your brain. (laughs) I hear you, sister. I get that message every morning when I wake up and I'm like, uh, who, where am I? Who am I? What am I doing here? Clean your brain. Yes. Uh, I've done a lot of work on my brain as someone who, you know, sadly abused my brain a lot earlier in life from childhood into adolescence, teen years, early 20s. I mean, I put a lot of crazy shit in my bloodstream and uh, my brain is no better for it. So uh, over the years, one of the things I've really been working on is brain function because I've always had the sense that I'm a relatively intelligent person, but my mind can't keep up with my intention or my innate spiritual wisdom, for lack of a better way to say it. In other words, I have ideas, concepts, thoughts that I want to convey. And I find when I go to write them or speak them, oftentimes they just don't come out in a way because there's some obtrusion there, obstruction, you could say, in brain function. So I've done a lot of work on this. And I can tell you uh, briefly what some of the things are that have really helped me. The first one is to Start doing heavy metal testing. The company Quicksilver Scientific has something called the Tri-Test, which is their patented test for heavy metals. That's going to tell you how much mercury, lead, et cetera, you have in your body. Uh, The Tri-Test does, I think it's blood, saliva, and urine, hence Tri-Test, three different bodily fluids. And then they have some great protocols to actually get rid of the heavy metals that you find. And guess what? If you live anywhere other than under a rock in the outback in, you know, Antarctica or something, you're probably full of heavy metals, not to be a fear monger. It's just it's how our environment rolls right now. They have something called the Black Box Detox at Quicksilver Scientific, which is a few hundred bucks, but I would say... Just if you want like a one-stop shop and you just want to bang it out and and start doing the heavy lifting on getting the metals out, the black box is incredible. Uh, Formulated by Dr. Chris Shade, who like everyone I talk about has also been on the show. Uh, Dr. Chris Shade from Quicksilver Scientific, uh, PhD, genius, just specializes in detox, is amazing. Also, there's a guy named uh, Dr. Dan Pampa, who's also been on the show. He's a, an amazing expert in detox as well. So I'd look up both of their teachings and products. 
Another one is the um, systemic fungus, um, viruses, yeast, mold, bacteria, etc., that live inside many of us. Um, and sometimes that is in the brain. And so I'm a huge fan of using ozone uh, to clean the blood, to clean the brain, to clean the body of all of these pathogens and residue of pathogens. You can do ozone rectally. You can do it vaginally. You can do ozone with a stethoscope in your ears, which is what I do personally for brain uh, brain cleaning. And then, of course, you can do ozone uh, IVs, commonly called 10-pass IVs of ozone. Uh, ozone is uh, potentially dangerous. You want to make sure that if you are having it administered, that it is someone who is uh, very well trained and authorized to do so. You can get ozone generators yourself, which is what I have. I have one here in the home and uh, I studied up on it, learned how to use it and feel very proficient and safe when I use mine. You want to be very mindful never to breathe ozone gas. It's uh, potentially very damaging to your lungs. It can burn your lungs. So ozone is uh, natural and it exists in our environment. Obviously, you've heard of the ozone layer. Ozone is what you smell on a, uh, you know, when you have a rainstorm and a thunderstorm, the lightning. When lightning uh, electrifies oxygen, it creates ozone. That's that clean rainy day smell. That's how ozone smells from afar. Now, if you have an ozone generator and it's like in your immediate vicinity, it does not smell like that. It smells like a nauseous gas that's going to burn your lungs off. So be careful with it. But I'm a huge believer in ozone, especially for brain function. Next one is hyperbaric oxygen treatment, uh, HBOT sessions. I did one this morning for 20 minutes in my backyard. Uh, I've got... Um, a, what's the company called? It's called OxyHealth. And I have these on my site. They are not cheap. I'm going to warn you, if you want to buy an oxygen chamber to keep in your home, they range anywhere from five to about 25 grand. Um, so many people go do HBOT sessions at a hyperbaric clinic, which is what I used to do. Then I realized after I interviewed Dr. Daniel Amen, who's one of the foremost brain experts in the world, that my brain was pretty trashed and about a quarter of it was completely offline and devoid of blood flow. So he recommended that I just get a chamber before I did that and went, I think I dropped 20 grand on mine. I mean, it was uh, it was a not, <laughs> it was a hardcore investment. I just paid it off. I financed it and it was, it's gnarly. I'm, I'm not rolling like that just to be like, cool, here's 20 grand for a thing to go in the backyard. But I care about my brain and like uh, Catherine, I got the message to clean your brain, Luke. So I started pricing out HBOT sessions at clinics and they're like, you know, on the low end, if you go to someone's house that has one kind of mom and pop little like on the down low biohacker, you know, healer, new agey type person, uh, you're looking at, you know, maybe 150 at the lowest. But if you go to a legit clinic, you're looking like 250, 300 bucks uh, pop. And um, Dr. Amen said that he recommended I do 100 sessions in a row. So I did a little simple math on that and was like, well, shit, I should just buy my own chamber. And I have to say, man, out of all the things I've done for my brain health, nothing, nothing has moved the needle like hyperbaric sessions. Uh, I do them, I don't know, probably three to four times a week. I use them for jet lag. I use them for all kinds of stuff. I meditate in the chamber. Um, 
I do special supplement uh, regimen, you know, pre-chamber. I do like the transcriptions. Um, uh, what's it called? The uh, uh, methylene blue. I'll do um, take my um, C60. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, it's been covered on other shows. I'll do, uh, what's the other one I like to do before I get in there? I'll do a bunch of paracetam. I'll take just basically qualia. I take all of my nootropics, microdosing, psilocybin. Some days I'll do a microdose of um, liquid pharmaceutical grade LSD. When I say microdose, I mean truly micro, uh, like five micrograms, which is one twentieth of a hit of acid. So I'm not talking about do not take LSD like in a recreational dose and get in a hyperbaric chamber. That's that's what I'm trying to say here. I do things that um, you know encourage neuroplasticity, et cetera, and I like to take those things and then go in the hyperbaric chamber because of the uh, blood flow that takes place and the ability for hyperbaric oxygen chambers to push oxygen not only into your red blood cells, which have a limited capacity and only can hold so much oxygen, but rather into your blood plasma, which is really the magic of being under pressure and breathing in oxygen. So anyway, fixing your brain to me like is impossible without hyperbaric. It's just the it's the dopest ever. But back to cleaning Catherine's brain, um, taking periodic doses of activated charcoal before bed can be useful, especially after you've eaten something with glyphosate or some other toxins in it, knowingly or unknowingly. Meditation and breath work are amazing for your brain, especially breath work. If you don't want to spend a bunch of money on a hyperbaric chamber, you could get similar benefits if you really, really commit to a daily breath work practice. I mean, I'm talking about like a 20-minute to a 60-minute session where you go hardcore. There's a number of different modalities out there and teachers. Uh, you can find, as I said earlier, on um, on wanderlust.com. They've got breathwork classes. I mean, they're, everyone and their mom is teaching breathwork now, which is awesome. So there's no you know, there's no short supply of teachers that can give you a modality. Wim Hof, of course, is a great one. Holotropic breathwork. There's all kinds of different modalities. They all basically do the same thing. Uh, they are awesome for you. The next one uh, to get your brain sorted, and this has been, I would say next to hyperbaric sessions has been the big needle mover for me. I haven't done it in a year or so, but I did it for about a year straight. And that is something called neurofeedback. I interviewed previously on the show a neuroscientist, PhD by the name of Dr. Andrew Hill, who's a professor here at UCLA. He's also the founder of Peak Brain. That's Peak Brain Los Angeles. Uh, they've got a couple offices here in California and in other states, I believe, but they also do remote treatments where you can buy or maybe even borrow the laptop that does the neurofeedback and then they work on your brain. Neurofeedback is absolutely incredible for... Uh, treating all sorts of things like ADD, ADHD, PTSD, all issues of brain uh, can be helped by neurofeedback, absolutely backed by science and incredible. Like hyperbaric sessions, not cheap, but you know, if you, <laughs> I don't know, start a GoFundMe for people or, you know, find a way to make some extra cash. Um, of course, the things like breath work and ice baths and sun gazing, most of the things that I think are most powerful are actually free and involve nature. They just require more discipline. Whereas going to do neurofeedback sessions or doing HBOT sessions doesn't really require anything of you other than money and like you being willing to spend that hour to two hours doing the actual treatment. So I get a lot of questions from people that are like, 
I don't have all this money to do all this biohacking. I'm like, cool, wake up every morning at 5.30, meditate, do breath work and watch the sunrise. And they're like, no, I can't do that. What do I buy again? <laughs> so, um, you know, for me, it's a little bit of both. But if you're, if you're, if you got the flow going, man, I would like get on the hyperbaric and neurofeedback, give yourself six months of both of those. You will have a new brain. All right. Next one is two questions all about the sun. And um, let me see how I'm doing on time here. Okay, good. I, I was hoping to keep these solo shows at an hour, but honestly, the questions are just too rich. And I have so much experience from interviewing all these amazing people and just being into this stuff for so long that um, sometimes it takes a bit longer. But um, we're going to keep going. These two questions are pertinent to the season that we're in. We're in midsummer right now, which is my favorite time of year because I love the sun. And uh, I'm also an advocate for sun as a uh, healing modality. I think there's even a name for it. It's called um, helio heliotherapy, I think uh, is what it's called. And um, I believe that the sun is put there for a reason and that it will cure many things that medicine can't. So the first question is, does the sun cause wrinkles by Maria? And many would say yes, but I'm going to kind of push back on that. Then uh, Katerina says, I've been trying to find a way to treat hyperpigmentation naturally. It's been three summers in a row and I have the same uh, melasma map on my forehead and side of my face. I only use sunscreen if I stay in the sun longer than an hour. I wear hats, but still it has started to appear on the same spot. Any advice? Okay. So uh, in terms of the, the wrinkles and the sunspots, uh, in my case in particular, it might be my, you know, I'm a complete mutt, but I do have a, a fair amount of Italian in my lineage. So kind of have olive skin. I'd, I've never really tended to get burned and uh, my skin just takes sun well. I also do a lot of red light therapy, which helps your tolerance to sun. Um, and I use the Osea, you know, one of my sponsors, I use the Osea face, um, you know, personal care products, all of their lotions and oils. Uh, I use Living Libations, Alatura Naturals. Those three brands are like all you could ever, ever need, in my opinion, when it comes to taking care of your skin. Uh, all of those are on my website under, I think it's like uh, personal care products or skin care would be the section you can find them. Uh, but as far as I understand it, I mean, for me, it's like I can pretty much do as much sun as I want as long as I'm using a lot of oils and really great products on my skin. I'm 49 now, and I don't know. It's hard to be objective about oneself when you look in the mirror, when you look at photos. I mean, I don't think I look 22, but I do meet people, uh, men, I, I would say, that are you know, 48, 49, 50 around my age. And a lot of them look jacked up and look super old. I mean, I don't know, man, honestly. I'll meet someone, I'm like, how old are you? They're like, I'm 46. I'm like, what? That dude looks like he should be my dad. Like, what the F? Um, and I'm not at all. I mean, I swear to God, it's not an ego thing. Like I'm tooting my own horn. Uh, I didn't make my genetics like God made them. So I couldn't take credit for it anyway. Uh, what I'm speaking to here is the fact that I am out in the sun constantly and as long as I use a lot of really great, powerful, natural products on my skin, I'm holding up pretty well. Now, onto the sun spots. Now, I, I was looking at my hands prior to recording this, and I am getting a little bit of 
the hyper, what is it called? Hyperpigmentation of the sunspots uh, has to do with something called lipofuscin. And I'm just going to preface this by saying I am not an expert at this particular niche. However, from my understanding, when we're seeing these sunspots, it's not because you're getting in the sun alone. It's because you are saturated with something called PUFAs or omega-3s. And I would recommend that you study the work of Dr. Ray Pete. That's Ray Pete, P-E-A-T. He's got a site called raypeat.com. He's the go-to guy for just about everyone that is dealing with you know, basically toxic levels of PUFAs and lipofuscin or lipofuscin, as some call it. I'm not sure the right way to say it. But essentially, I'm going to break it down for you right here. And then I'm going to go into a bit of uh, Nadine Artemis's work, who's been on the show, who's the founder of Living Libations, one of the brands I just mentioned for skincare. And she's really my go-to expert for all things sun. And I did an episode with her early on, like I think it's called like the Great Sun Conspiracy or something. And she just annihilates the idea that sun gives you cancer, that sun gives you wrinkles, that it gives you sunspots. She just totally science-based approach just completely blows all that out of the water. And where a lot of this stuff comes from is from, I think it was in the 1950s, these companies that manufacture chemicals to put on your body realized that they could scare people into buying something called sunscreen if they started to spread this fake news idea that the sun gives you cancer. Now, if you're a traditionally trained um, dermatologist and you just heard that, you probably just dropped your phone and was like, F this guy. This is not what I learned in school, but I'm sorry, dude. Like (laughs) what in my opinion, what causes skin cancer is not the sun. It's actually blocking half of the UV spectrum of the sun, which is what glass, sunglasses, and sunscreen do. More on that later. Let's first take a look at uh, Dr. Ray Pete's work in terms of liver spots and hyperpigmentation, etc. Now, you can reduce your risk of developing liver spots by looking into Ray Pete's work and uh, discovering, as you will, that liver spots get their brown color from lipofuscin, a waste material that actually builds up in our cells as we age. And lipofuscin, or fuscin, depending on who you ask, has three constituents. It's got estrogen, iron, and PUFAs, polyunsaturated fatty acids, PUFAs. And I learned about uh, PUFAs, really, the big PUFA advocate and the, the Ray Pete devotee, uh, of our generation is a guy named Matt Blackburn who has a podcast, um, I think it's called Mito Life Podcast. And he's just hell bent on teaching people how to get the iron out of their body, which I am a firm believer in. I've been doing that for 20 years, going and donating blood to get rid of excess iron, having my iron tested, et cetera. But he's a great resource uh, also. He is happens to be my biggest troll and thinks I'm like, I think he thinks I'm a Satan, like a devil worshiper and that I promote drugs. So he's like, the dude trolls me, but I don't care. I'm not offended by that. He has really good information on this kind of stuff. And he, he I learned a lot about this lipofuscin stuff from him. So shout out to my troll. God bless you, brother. Um, in uh, other words, polyunsaturated fats. So these PUFAs like uh, canola oil, soy oil, corn oil, safflower, all these things that are called like 
Vegetable oils, by the way, are total shit for your body. And that includes, unfortunately, uh, fish oil. And, you know, the fish oil thing, you guys, is something I, I just took it off my site. I had some what I thought was really good fish oil on there. I mean, Dr. Daniel Amen told me um, that, you know, I need to take fish oil, you know, freaking 10 capsules a day and do the hyperbaric. And I've been taking my fish oil to work on my brain. But then you got the repeats of the world that will tell you, um, that fish oil is the worst thing ever. And Jack Cruz hates fish. I don't know, man. The fish oil thing is very confusing. So right now, personally, I'm taking it, but I'm also taking vitamin E with it and doing some other interventions to help with the lipofuscin uh, issue. So generally speaking, I would now at this point in my career, not recommend fish oil. But anyway, these polyunsaturated fats or PUFAs we consume in our food and also by the way, most of us that don't know better rub this shit onto our skin because it's in a lot of moisturizers. And the iron that we, you know, that we get from eating red meat and even some green vegetables and the estrogen our body produces naturally, the estrogen or the xenoestrogens in our different products that we use in the home, cleaning products, health products, whatever, um, they combine to form this brown fatty waste product that clogs up our cells and as we age forms liver spots. So where the sun issue fits into this, the combination of these PUFAs or the lipofuscin and the sun, as Dr. Pete explains it, is that when we're exposed to UV light, it can cause uh, damage to the unsaturated fatty acid molecules in our skin producing free radicals. So what you want to do here is manage your iron intake. Um, for many women who still menstruate, they're getting rid of excess iron through that process. Uh, men and women who no longer menstruate would you know, want to get your levels checked. I'm not saying like, again, don't follow my medical advice. This is just, I heard a friend did this and it worked. Um, what I do personally, I guess I could say that because we do not claim to cure anything here, right? you know, the medical jargon you have to avoid. Uh, I personally donate blood just to be a good person, um, aka get rid of excess iron. Uh, I would say quarterly when I remember it's actually on my calendar for every quarter. And it feels good to give blood to people that need it. And also to get rid of some of that excess iron that just comes from uh, living in our environment that is so toxic with iron and oversaturated with iron. They put iron in breads and grains and food since we're a little kid, all the breakfast cereals, all that shit is iron fortified. Dude, that iron is poison for your body, folks. Also reducing your intake of PUFAs, uh, increasing your intake of vitamin E, a powerful antioxidant that helps to kind of uh, counterbalance or neutralize the uh, PUFAs in your system. Also, uh, checking your estrogen levels because estrogen is a hormone that men and women both produce naturally. However, the problem is these levels can be artificially raised by eating a high PUFA diet, taking contraceptive pills, endocrine disrupting chemicals in most of the mainstream personal care products, lotions, and guess what? Sunscreen. Isn't that funny how that works? But iron is really one of the most important things here um, in terms of the age spots. And while we need to have some iron in our diets, too much of it is very toxic. And as I said, contributes to the creation of free radicals that damage and age our cells. So what I do, as I said, is I donate blood regularly. And uh, there is also some evidence that this practice can even reduce your risk of heart attack and strokes. 
And donating blood can be especially um, helpful for men and postmenopausal women because, as I said, they don't lose any through menstruation. Okay, so the PUFAs, again, are two types of fats, saturated and unsaturated, also labeled as polyunsaturated fats. And those are fats that are solid at room temperature. Saturated means that the fat molecules have all the hydrogen atoms that they can hold. So here are the swag, super shitty oils that I would highly recommend anyone and everyone avoid. Almond oil, avocado oil, canola oil, cod liver oil, cottonseed oil, fish oil, flax oil, hemp oil, linseed oil, margarine, palm oil, peanut oil, safflower oil, sesame oil, soybean oil, sunflower oil, vegetable oil. That leaves you thinking, what can I eat? Well, you know, I do, I I take these oils called uh, Andre seed oils, and sometimes I'll do a little bit of his hemp oil. Uh, I do a little bit of his black seed oil. anise seed oil. I do, you know, sparse seed oils, but I'm very particular about where they come from and what they are. And they are not on that list with the exception of, actually, I don't really do hemp seed oil. I do CBD oil, which uh, I, I have a feeling could also be a PUFA, but I'm living with it. All right. So that's the, that's what you got to eliminate there sunspot wise, but let's talk into like just skin health, skin cancer, the misinformation around sun exposure. Because as I said, man, I'm doing great and I get lots of sun, but I have been working on reducing my PUFAs. And all those oils, by the way, that I just read, like you go into Whole Foods, man, and buy just about any product that's not like meat, fish, vegetables, or eggs is going to be made with those oil. Those are the fats that are used commercially. So when it comes to fats, I like all the grass-fed and pastured animal fats, I like ghee, tallow, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I do some olive oil too. I like uh, really good organic, cold-pressed, virgin, I think they call it extra virgin olive oil, right? So that's kind of what I do for fats. And I really try to avoid all the vegetable oils as much as possible without being psycho. Like I don't want to be all, uh, you know, what do they call that? Orthorexic and like reading the labels on everything and freaking out. But there is enough evidence to say that PUFAs are super swag and uh, something that you want to avoid. Let's move on to Nadine Artemis. And I'm, I'm really just going to read something from her Living Libations website, which is, uh, again, where I get a lot of my skin products. And she also has some great sun protective products there that aren't sunscreens per se. Um, they, I mean, they're used as sunscreens, but they're they don't suck. They're they're awesome. So I'd highly recommend that. You can also hear the episode uh, number six. It was way back at episode number six of the Lifestylist podcast where I talked to Nadine about all things sun. So go back and listen to that one. It'll be in the show notes and you'll get like an hour and a half all about why the sun is good for you and is not bad. Here's the quote from my friend Nadine Artemis. I'm just going to go ahead and read this to the best of my ability. I've been talking for uh, an hour and 27 minutes. so I'm running out of steam here, but I'll do my best to read. It's kind of a long piece, but it's going to be worth it. Uh, And I know you won't go to her goddamn site and read it probably. So I'm just going to read it to you right here. Like a, uh, a, a, um, a loving parent reading a nursery rhyme to their kid. So you're my kid for the moment. Take a little rest, lie down, listen to what I'm about to read by Nadine Artemis. 
Currently, we live in a sunlight-deprived society, and according to the Journal of Psychiatry and Neuroscience, this deprivation is harming us as we deny our bodies and minds the recharging vitality of the sun. The fine filaments of our bodies are covered with thousands of vitamin D receptors designed as antennas for the sun's rays. Our cells have a DNA code and photons that require energy and information from the sun. Sunlight is a key that unlocks the nourishing energies that sustain our life. While debates around uh, whether or not the sun is good or bad, we've forgotten our part. What do we offer these rays? It takes two to tango. The crux of our current crisis is the sun is the culprit of skin carcinomas, mutating moles, wrinkles, and melanomas versus the sun is the giver and uh, the giver of sunshine, vitamin D, a steroid hormone that illuminates our immune system and benefits every organ and cell. I told you this was good. It gets even better. It is true that our skin can be vulnerable to sunburn and repeated sunburns can cause, cause visible damage. Though despite the negative press linking sun exposure to skin cancer, there lacks consistent scientific evidence to support it. For example, people with the greatest risks of melanoma are not those with the greatest cumulative solar exposure. And for example, uh, people that worked <laughs> people that work uh, um, graveyard shifts are some of the highest cancer rates in the world because of the lack of sun and the prevalence of blue light. Anyway, side note, hat tip to Jack Cruz there. On with Nadine's expose. A sampling of a few research study conclusions sheds a different light on some common conceptions. One study found that malignant melanoma is less likely for adults and children who work and play outside. Another study showed that melanoma is far more common for people who work indoors. You guys getting that? A review of studies showed no correlation between sun exposure and melanoma. In his extensively researched book, The Sun and the Epidemic of Melanoma, Myth on Myth, Dr. Bernard Ackerman, the founding father in the field of dermatopathology, I, I can't read that, uh, the, study of, the study of skin diseases, substantiated that there is no proof whatsoever that sun exposure causes melanoma. He wrote... The calculations now in vogue about the incidence of melanoma will be shown to have been inaccurate woefully and that the sun now incriminated as the major culprit responsible for an epidemic of melanoma will be rehabilitated from its status current of pariah, our worst enemy, to its place rightful, all things considered, namely mankind's best friend. And uh, that would be my opinion as well. Onward, the results of a 1982 study conducted by researchers at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine and published by the medical journal The Lancet demonstrated that fluorescent light exposure from indoor work, and this was back in 1982 when most of the workforce was yet to stare at a computer screen all day like I'm currently doing, creates twice the incidence of melanoma than outdoor work in the sun. You got that? So in 82, they found people working under fluorescent lights indoors, which is non-native blue light we now know, got more cancer than people outside. Hello? Office workers exposed to high levels of artificial lighting during the day with minimal exposure to sunlight had the highest risk of developing melanomas and mutations in their cells. 
Furthermore, lack of sunlight and our culture's epidemic lack of vitamin D3 are linked to cancer overwhelmingly in more than 2,500 studies. Several studies confirm that appropriate sun exposure actually helps prevent skin cancer. In fact, melanoma occurrence has been found to decrease with sun exposure and increase with sunscreen use. Yeah. There is also a lack of scientific evidence that sunscreen prevents skin cancer. However, synthetic sunscreens do prevent sunburns. Let's look at how this is achieved. When we apply sunscreen, sun-shielding chemicals that block UVB rays are absorbed into our skin. UVB rays do cause burns after extended time in the sun. SPF, sun protection factor, is a designation that can be used only for synthetic ingredients that have been laboratory tested to prevent sunburns. Yet, SPF creates a false sense of security by disabling our skin's early warning protection, the sunburn, against overexposure to the sun. Essentially, sunscreen anesthetizes skin. UVB rays, the rays blocked by sunscreens, are also the nourishing rays that spark the production of vitamin D in the body. Y'all getting the picture here of what's going on? This is such good information. UVA rays become harmful when they are separated from their UVB ultraviolet partner by sunscreen. Current studies suggest that It is isolated UVA that damages DNA. So slathering on sunscreen actually inhibits the much-desired vitamin D and allows the undesired penetration of isolated UVA while UVB is blocked. Receiving hours of direct sunlight through a window will also separate the UVB and overexpose skin to UVA. Many drivers, for example, have one forearm that is more freckled than the other, especially if they're eating a lot of PUFAs, I would add. Uh, With ingredients of oxybenzone, polymers of petroleum, parabens, and PABA, these chemical-laden lotions also block our skin's ability to breathe. Our skin's cellular respiration process is inhibited from inhaling oxygen and exhaling toxins and carbon dioxide. Likewise, as we soak up the sun, these chemicals break. Uh, these chemicals bake into our bodies. Oxybenzone, an active ingredient in many sunscreens, is a powerful is a powerful free radical generator that is non carcinogenic until exposed to sunlight. Got that? Crazy, right? These carcinogens are now being recognized as agents that actually increase disease by way of their free radical generating properties. Sunscreen ingredients are also known to accumulate in our lipid layers, increasing our intake of free radicals, xenoestrogens, oxidized amino acids, and damaged DNA. Promoted as necessary to preserve skin from aging, sunscreen ingredients actually alter the innate intelligence of our cells, increase carcinoma risk, and prevent vitamin D production. Refuse to use sunscreens that restrain this vital cosmic connection and let the sun shine in, says the brilliant Nadine Artemis. She goes on to say, our bodies are designed to be exposed to the rays of the sun and our skin contains all the necessary mechanisms to extract and produce beneficial nutrients from it. The interaction of sun on our skin is our human form of photosynthesis. 
Sunlight in the form of UVB rays touching the skin produces beneficial nutrients that our bodies require. Our skin converts sunbeams into regenerative substances of melanin, sulfur, and the steroid hormone vitamin D. This distinct steroid hormone influences every cell in our body and is easily one of nature's most potent champions. I think of vitamin D as golden drops of sun fluid that we all need internally to be optimally well-oiled. The most natural and effective form of vitamin D is the type that we synthesize when our skin coalesces with the sun without sunscreen. The best time of day to get out and play in the sun for making vitamin D is morning to solar noon. Time variances, existing melanin levels, geography, and weather are all factors in how much shine one should need to get a day's supply of D. Of course, there is an app for that, which there is. My brother uses that. I forget the app. It's like the vitamin D app, and it it looks at where you are on GPS and tells you how much vitamin D you're making uh, in your relation geographically to the sun. It's pretty cool. We'll find the app and put it in the show notes. Furthermore, our skin's exposure to sun produces two types of essential sulfur, cholesterol sulfate and vitamin D sulfate. Sulfur, cholesterol, and vitamin D produced in our skin from sun exposure are necessary for optimal cellular health while protecting us from radiation damage. Sulfur and cholesterol protect our DNA from radiation damage that contributes to cancer. They become oxidized upon exposure to the high-frequency rays in sunlight, thus acting as antioxidants to take the heat, so to speak. Vitamin D3 from oral supplements, which is unsulfured and fat-soluble, is helpful, but it is not bonded to sulfur to make D3 sulfate. Vitamin D3 sulfate is water-soluble and moves freely in the bloodstream, providing a healthy barrier against bacteria. It is synthesized in the skin where it forms a crucial part of the barrier that keeps out harmful bacteria and other microorganisms such as fungi. And uh, I'll just add that in the, (laughs) I don't even want to give energy to this pandemic shit, but um, you know, right now people are being told to stay indoors and beaches are being closed and parks are being closed. And they're thinking that that's how people are going to fight a virus. It is absolutely insane and makes me want to do bad things to politicians. Anyway, our current I'll, I'll meditate and I'll get over it. <laughs> it's all part of the plan. Uh, eventually, it'll come to light, no pun intended. Okay, our current sun fear contributes to the soaring rate of vitamin D deficiency in North America. Nearly 75% of adults and teenagers are vitamin D deficient, and we have been on a two-decade-long slide. Skin is like our solar panel, taking in the sun's energy and a lack of sunlight disturbs normal cell growth. Research attributes health issues to low levels of D, including heart disease, osteoporosis, juvenile diabetes, multiple sclerosis, cancer, and more. Where I live in Canada, says Nadine, for about five months of the year, the sun is not strong enough for skin to make vitamin D. Still, on sunny days, I open my doors to the sunshine and bask in the prana, the light, and the very fresh air. I make sure that my diet is rich in fats and greens, and I do find it essential to apply transdermal vitamin D cream and transdermal patches of vitamin D, as well as supplement an oral D3 and K2 combination. By the way, uh, surthrival.com makes a great D3 and K2 combo, uh, as does Quicksilver Scientific. 
uh, for that matter. My advice is to enjoy sun-kissed skin to create an ample supply of sun-made vitamin D reserves during the sunny seasons uh, to resource you through the winter months. Wise interaction with the sun. We're carrying on with Nadine Artemis's article here. We do want to avoid sunburns, yet getting sunburn is actually easier on our DNA than processing the cell damage from being in the sun with synthetic sunscreen. Sunscreen blocks our biological mechanism called melanin that was designed to guide our skin's interaction with the sun. When we get sunburn, our ancient photoprotective melanin ensures that only a tiny fraction of our DNA is damaged by the absorbed photons. Our DNA naturally transforms 99.9% of the photons into heat. In this instance, heat is harmless. The remaining 0.1% of the photons is what causes sunburn. In DNA, this conversion of photons into harmless heat is extremely efficient. However, sunscreen damages DNA indirectly and without the warning signal of a burn. It is this indirect DNA damage that is responsible for mutations. Sunscreens, sunscreen causes indirect DNA damage. Moment there while I uh, post this on Instagram Live. Stand by, folks. Thank you. Always like to Instagram Live uh, all of my recordings. And by the way, if you want to see the behind-the-scenes recordings of podcasts like the one you're listening to, Go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram. That's at Luke Story, S-T-O-R-E-Y. Okay, back to what I was saying. Uh, sunscreen causes indirect DNA damage because of the photons are not efficiently converted into harmless heat. This understanding of indirect DNA damage led to new research, like the 2007 study at the University of California, San Diego, That reviewed 17 studies of sunscreen use and melanoma. The researchers concluded that there is a significant correlation between sunscreen use and skin cancer. In 1998, the Journal of the National Cancer Institute reported that children who were frequent users of sunscreens had a significantly higher chance of developing moles and freckles. Right? Isn't that crazy? Everything's upside down, guys. Uh, We live in an upside down world. So much misinformation. And I'm so happy to be able to undo some of that. But real quick, I'm going to open a window. It's getting hotter than hell in this damn studio. Okay, so uh, where were we? Um, Far more effective than sunscreen, protective melanin lingers on our skin and in our blood in the form of vitamin D long after the sun has set. To preserve the juiciness of sun exposure, lubricate with or organic botanical oils before, during, and after sun exposure, and be sure not to soap the skin's surface, wash the skin surface, which disrupts the process of these regenerative substances. Pardon the mid-sentence burp. While being campaigned into sacrificing sunlight, we have been told and sold on shunning the sun, and we fear exposure of the sun's rays reaching our skin. Although overexposure makes our skin vulnerable to sunburn and reoccurring sunburns, recurrent sunburns can cause, vis- can cause visible damage, there is more to the story than the sun being the sole perpetrator of hyperpigmentation and wrinkles. Our interaction with the sun needs to be not 
all or none. If we are wise, we can enjoy a healthy, happy relationship with our ancient friend, the sun. Here are the best protocols for wisely imbibing solar wavelengths. One, eat sun-harmonizing foods. Upon the altar of sunshine, what we ingest determines how our skin responds to sunlight. Skin cells must be strengthened and nourished internally with real food and water to receive the full blessing of interacting with the sun. Less food is needed when we are satisfied or, or sorry, satiated with solar rays and well-nourished skin responds better to sunlight. Sun-ripened foods is also far more nutritious. We can create an internal SPF with antioxidant-rich rainbow diet of sun-grown superfoods, uh, superpower foods, herbs, and luscious fats brimming with nutrients, all contributing to our internal sunscreen. And I would add to that chaga, like making chaga tea is amazing, uh, as is the supplement methylene blue. And I don't mean methylene blue, the fish cleaner off Amazon. I mean like the real deal, like from transcriptions. Nadine goes on to say, summer is a great time to indulge in some sun, right? I'm losing my ability to talk here. Wow. Okay. Note to self, have a shorter thing next time, Luke. I'm like sweating balls here and my voice is starting to run out <laughs> brain power and, and voice power. I'm going to get through this though, because it's so good. Am I? Oh my God, this thing is freaking long. All right. Bear with me here. Here we go. Actually, you know what? I'm going to actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to truncate this and I'm going to put it in show notes because we got to wrap this thing up. The voice of reason has come in. So number one, eat sun harmonizing foods. Number two, recover your skin's integrity. This has to do with uh, the products you use on your skin, how you wash, skin brushing, et cetera. I'm going to put this all in the show notes, as I said, so you can read the whole thing there. There'll be a link to Nadine's site. Uh, sun yourself wisely is number three. Start slowly but surely. So don't just go out and get yourself burned. Like work your way up. This is totally doable. Oh, and she lists the app here. It's called the D-Minder app, D-Minder app. And that calculates your geographic location, the cloud cover, the time of year, et cetera, to let you know how long you can be in the sun. Uh, recap the SPF. And again, she's saying here, sunscreens are not your friends. You can read as to why in the show notes. Uh, one thing she cites here that's worth mentioning is that sunscreens are incredibly hazardous to the vitality of the oceans. Dude, the chemicals in sunscreens are not good to the coral reefs and all of the life that they support. So for that reason, I am super anti-sunscreen also. Uh, number five, bet on botanical oils. So Nadine here that wrote this is a lifelong student and now teacher of all things essential oils, things that are good for your skin, that protect your skin. And so the Living Libations products, as I said earlier, are absolutely fantastic. You know, coconut oil, jojoba, olive oil, sea buckthorn, all these types of oils in products are just applied directly to your skin, are amazing as natural um, skin protectants. Also, raspberry seed oil uh, is under a spectrometer, wait, a spectrometer, 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 yes. Raspberry seed oil absorbs both UVB and UVC rays while scattering UVA. So this is a botanical equivalent of a SPF 25, for example. So there's all sorts of things in nature, in other words, that can help protect your skin. Um, and uh, in the meantime, 
living libations, make something called Everybody Loves Sunshine with zinc, which has zinc oxide, which reflects the sun's rays and is a really pure option. And uncoated zinc oxide is purer than both titanium dioxide and coated zinc dioxide, um, which is made with synthetic silicone. And you don't want anything synthetic. So anyway, moral of the story is, um, you know, don't burn yourself, just be smart. And then she has a whole piece on sun gazing, staring at the sun. And this is something that I do every day possible. It's also something that you want to do safely. You don't just go in the middle of the day and stare up at the sun like a dum-dum. You definitely want to, uh, you know, study this ancient Ayurvedic practice and do so wisely. But in my opinion, sun gazing is one of the most powerful things you can do for your health. On to the next couple questions. And these will be quick, trust me, uh, because I have easy answers. Uh, Mazina says, male pattern baldness, how to prevent, slow it down, and stimulate hair growth. Any supplement, product, treatment recommendations would be much appreciated. I know of one product and one product only that has been proven to help with this. It's made by uh, C360 Health. These are the guys that also make the Revive product, the C60 product that I recommend and take every day. Uh, And you'll find that in the show notes. It's on my web store. It's uh, made for hair growth and it's made with C60. It's incredible stuff. I've I've used it a a few times, but I haven't been diligent about it. You know, you've got to use it on quite a regular basis, but uh, I've seen the before and after pictures. They are not Photoshopped. I've interviewed the owner, Ian Mitchell on my show. He's a very cool guy, has integrity. He's not a liar. He grew his hair back. He texts me before and after pictures just on the download that aren't even on their site. And this shit works. It's incredible. Combine that with red light therapy from a company like Juve and you are winning. And then I'd also say, or for uh, Mazina here to get your hormones checked by a functional medicine doctor. It is likely that you have not enough testosterone, not enough free testosterone, too much estrogen, et cetera. Hormones have a lot to do with how hair grows and doesn't grow. So I would definitely look into balancing your hormones with a qualified doctor. Next, Richard says, hey guys, I've been trying out the whole vegan thing while on this quarantine. So far it's been good, but I've noticed at times feeling lightheaded. Anybody have any tips um, on suggestions, et cetera? I've heard this probably a hundred times over the years. I was a vegetarian for a long time. Uh, experienced a lot of health problems as a result of that personally. It's my own story. I know plant-based people get pissed at me when I say that, but it's just the truth. It was, it, it happened. Um, I would say like most experimental and extreme diets, uh, they often work for a period of time, then eventually your body can fall out of balance. And I would say this is potentially true for the carnivore diet or, you know, paleo, anything you do that's, well, paleo is not really extreme. That's probably the safest, but anything that is like a fast is potentially going to have problems. And uh, to me, a vegan diet, a plant-based diet is basically a detox fast diet. And so I personally think it's great to do for a period of time, clean out toxins, lighten the load, do some colonics, maybe go you know vegan once a year, whatever. Personally, it doesn't work for me. And um, to be quite honest with you, I've met so many people, you guys that are public figures that were plant-based for a long time and then built an audience around that and had to start eating some animal products on the down low because their health fell apart straight up. And they're like, how do I come out to my community that I have to eat ghee and bone broth at least now in order to stay healthy? And I'm like, I don't know, just be honest. 
Um, that said, I really don't care what people eat. I'm not like political about eat. You want to be plant-based, like I can go for it. Who cares? Um, whatever gets you through the night, as John Lennon said. But to answer this question, I would be being um, dishonest and disingenuous to say that I have not heard this again and again. In fact, a good friend of mine who's a very public plant-based figure recently came to me, literally like whispered in my ears, like, dude, uh, I'm starting to smell meat and like it's smelling real good. And like, I have no energy and my body's like craving that meat. I'm like, dude, I mean, you can't follow dogma. You got to follow your body. And that's what I do. Sometimes my body wants more vegetables. Sometimes it wants more meat. So my recommendation to him was, you know, if you want to be ethical, because his thing is kind of more of a Buddhist perspective, do no harm kind of thing. And I'm like, well, if you want to get the nutrition from animal products and not kill extra animals, um, you could do bone broth and you can get a lot of the nutrients that are missing from a plant-based diet from bone broth. And guess what? No animals are killed to make bone broth. These are animals that are already killed for people that want to eat their meat and organs. Uh, I've actually interviewed um, Justin Mars, the founder of um, Kettle and Fire Bone Broth. And I, I asked him just in terms of the industry, where do you guys get the bones? And like, these are bones that would go to the pet industry if we weren't making bone broth out of them. So if it's an ethical issue and you're feeling like you're missing some of the vital amino acids, proteins, nutrients, et cetera, from animal products, bone broth is a good way to go, as is ghee. I don't think any extra cows are slaughtered in order to get ghee. Um, that said, I've done many shows about this topic because I find it fascinating, even though I'm not really hung up on diets much. As I said, eat whatever feels good to you and I'm happy for you. Um, but the fact remains that there has never been ever, ever in recorded human history a 100% vegan human civilization, which is why I personally call it experimental. Now, that doesn't mean that it's bad for you. It just means we don't know yet. It would take two to three generations of 100% vegan people to breed with other 100% lifelong vegan people for them to have vegan kids, for those kids to be vegan their whole life, breed with other 100% lifelong vegan kids. And we'd have to do that two or three times for a whole generation to see if it's viable. And um, for me, until that's been done by someone else other than me, because I'm not going to take that risk, um, it's not for me, you know? And so the person asking this question might just be running into something that is quite, um, it, it's experimental. And I don't, maybe it is good. I really don't know. It's just, there's no evidence to prove that it is. And on the note of ethics, I would say um, having, you know, uh, been someone who spent a lot of time on farms as a kid, I grew up in rural areas. I've been seen a lot of land turned over. I've been around a lot of crops. I, I wouldn't say I'm badass enough to have been a farmer, but I've definitely spent a lot of time on ranches where there are animals used in agriculture, animals raised for food, animals used for um all sorts of different processes of farming and um, also farms where a lot of vegetables are grown. And I can assure you, when you take a plot of raw land that's not been touched by human hands and you run tractors over it so you can grow a bunch of kale, uh, tens of thousands of creatures are being killed in order to grow vegetables. So I just want to dispel the myth that if you're eating vegetables, that no suffering is taking place. And I would add to that, uh, in fact, that 
who are we to say that plants aren't sentient beings and that we're not doing harm? And um, by eating plants, we're absolutely killing tens of thousands of microbes, fungi, bacteria, insects, caterpillars, bugs, worms, beetles, snakes, birds, baby birds, amphibians, reptiles, uh, uh, varmints, um, mice, moles, squirrels, rabbits, um, Anytime human beings take land and farm vegetables on it, <laughs> a lot of creatures are dying, notwithstanding the actual vegetation which is being killed. And so, um, as I said, as a 10-year vegetarian, I, you know, and someone who doesn't want to do harm, I love animals, I don't want to kill animals either. Um, it took a lot of meditation and a lot of spiritual reconciliation to come to the understanding at which I am now, which is really being mindful about where I source my animal products. I really only eat meat from a couple places, one of them being Belcampo Farms. Reason being is I went to the farm, I met the animals, I went to the slaughterhouse, I interviewed the farmers, the ranchers, the owner. I know the whole process. It's done as humanely as possible. And I would go so far as to say that the meat that I'm eating from Belcampo, uh, those animals live a much easier much less painful life than any animal in the wild in nature. If you could follow an elk or a deer or a moose in the wild for the whole span of their life, they experience terror on an ongoing, if not daily basis from predation. And when a prey animal, such as a deer, or you could say a cow if they were able to run wild or a bison, when they do encounter death uh, via predation, that death is <laughs> infinitely more violent and torturous than a humane slaughter at a slaughterhouse um, such as Belcampo. So food for thought there, you know, um, philosophical, um, you know, ramblings perhaps at the one hour 58 minute mark. But I just find this conversation fascinating. I'm going to be honest, like, because I've, you know, I've been in the scene for so long, like 20 plus years now. And been a vegetarian, tried to do carnivore. I've done paleo. I see people come in out of these phases. But one thing that is for sure and that is consistent is that every vegan I know, except I think Jason Robel and Rich Roll have eventually pulled the plug and are just like, I'm dying over here. I can't do this. I'm becoming emaciated. My hormones are wrecked. I'm jacked. Um, I'm in, a lot of women become infertile. I don't know, man. I just... It doesn't seem to be viable in the long term. But again, you know, if you're doing it and you're doing great, more power to you. I love it. I know your heart's in the right place. And what do I know? I mean, there's breatharians, dude, that don't eat any animal products or anything at all, from what I understand. You know, I mean, you talk to like Wim Hof, he's he's super healthy. And they ask, I remember this interview, they asked Wim Hof, you know, what what do you do for food? He's like, What? Who cares? I just eat whatever. So, well, what did you eat today, for example, Wim? You know, you have he gets his labs done all the time. He's very healthy. And he's like, oh, today I had tomato and a can of beer. So what do I know? You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe it's mind over matter. Maybe you can manifest nutrients out of thin air. I don't know. But it seems to be that there are um, just nutrients in animal products that you just can't get from plants. And so that might be why our Facebook group member here is like, wow, I'm feeling lightheaded and dizzy. Um, so... Again, to come off of that, my recommendation would be bone broth. Uh, ethically speaking, um, you know, ghee is incredibly nu nutritious uh, uh, density. 
Um, also pastured eggs, egg yolks specifically, and maybe some small on the, you know, low on the food chain, small cold water, wild fish, sustainably sourced, et cetera, or a few uh, clean oysters here and there that are from high quality farms that are mindful about the, um, you know, the quality of the water. So anyway, that's my take on that, my friends. Um, if you doubt what I'm saying about human history and the experimental nature of a product uh, of a, a food program devoid of any and all animal products, I recommend you study the work of Dr. Weston A. Price for more information on, you know, the historical relevance of eating a natural human diet and what that looks like and the nutrition uh, uh, deficiencies that he discovered. He was a dentist. He traveled around the world to study people's teeth and then essentially discovered all of these very uh, deficient people in certain cultures and these very robust people in other cultures. And out of that extrapolated what he believed to be the most beneficial and natural human diet. That's the work of Dr. Weston A. Price. Uh, so that is what I have to say about that. And uh, we made it through, you guys. So there you go, man. Thanks for sticking with me the whole way. <laughs> I was like, when I make these manuscripts, I'm like, yeah, that's about an hour. And then I swear to God, when am I going to learn? Every time I go through, I'm like, damn it. I could have cut this into two episodes and made it easier on people and easier on myself. But anyway, there you go. Next time I do a solo show, I'm going to take my manuscript and those notes and I'm going to cut them in half and make two shows out of it. But if you made it through to the end, I hope that you were inspired, that you learned some stuff here. Uh, This is, you know, any of the stuff I just covered, man, is not coming from a judgmental place. If you love sunscreen, you love living on green juice, you know, whatever, poofas, like that's your jam. Um, You hate spiritual books. it, It doesn't matter. Do you do what works. Take what you value from this podcast Uh, and every episode of this podcast and leave the rest. If it doesn't fit, no offense taken. It's all good. I'm here to be of service and um, share my passions and my discoveries and share the wisdom of all the beautiful, brilliant, amazing people that I have the luxury of interviewing on a weekly basis. Speaking of which, this would be a great one for plant-based people to check out. Uh, Next, uh, or next Tuesday's episode is... Why You Can't Beat Meat, The Ultimate Carnivore Diet Guide with Dr. Paul Saladino, who's, I would say, probably the most vocal and popular proponent of the carnivore diet. Again, sounds like an experimental radical diet, but I got to say, after I interviewed him, he was very hard to argue with. He comes with hard-ass science, dude. And I was just like, hmm, I think this is what I should be eating. Now, I haven't been able to do that or really tried to do that, to be honest, but he makes a great case for, um, I don't know, why meat just might be the healthiest food in the world and pretty much all you need to eat. It's a a very interesting episode. Uh, I'd also like to point you to on this particular topic, episode 245 of this show with Daniel Vitalis, how to become a modern hunter, uh, a modern day hunter gatherer. That's 245 featuring Daniel Vitalis. And then on Daniel's show, Rewild Yourself, which is his prior podcast before he did the one he's doing now called Wild Fed. He did an episode on Rewild Yourself. It was number 94 and it's called Why I'm Not a Vegan. And that episode freaking blew my mind. So that might be something you check out. And as far as the diet stuff goes, I'll just close in saying that um, to me, like getting sun exposure, avoiding EMF, avoiding blue light, circadian biology focus wins over nutrient biology in my book any day. So eat what you want provided you're not eating toxins and just get in alignment with nature. 
And um, that, my friends, pretty much does it. Oh, no, it doesn't. Shit, there's one more question. Richard says, does anyone have personal experience with improving eyesight naturally? Uh, currently a minus 2.00 and would like to not wear my glasses. Okay, Richard, I'm working on this one myself. Same issue here. My eyes got destroyed from living under these two cell towers, which is why I made my new online course about EMFs that you guys have been hearing so much about. And also from doing too much close-up device and computer work like I'm doing right now, staring at my manuscript for two hours. However, I truly believe you can fix it. And uh, to that point, I've got an upcoming show with Jake Steiner called Your Eyes Aren't Broken and You Can Fix Them. I would highly recommend that you join Jake Steiner's uh, Facebook group. It's called Ending Myopia. That's Ending Myopia, the Facebook group. There's people in there that have reversed their nearsightedness like crazy, dude. Like minus 2.00, that's nothing, Richard. People in there are basically blind and they're fixing it using his methods and they're relatively free, if not cheap in most cases. So I'm going to fix my eyes with you, Richard. Let's figure it out. This Sunday, I've got a bonus show. Uh, It's a guest spot. I did. It's a rebroadcast on a podcast called Meet Delic. It's the Meet Delic podcast. And on that show, I'm talking about psychedelics and plant medicines as they pertain to lasting addiction recovery. Very interesting conversation there, if I don't say so myself. And then let's take a moment to thank our sponsors as we come to a close. The first sponsor being lukestory.com slash EMF masterclass. I'd love for you guys to enroll. It's only 149 bucks. It's over five hours of content. If you're someone confused about 5G and EMF and shit, boo, I got you. I'm just straight up. You're going to get this class and be like, holy crap, this dude over delivered in uh, such a major way. So I'm really, really confident and excited about that. Uh, that's lukestory.com slash EMF masterclass. And then our official sponsors are Juve. I talked about red light therapy in building your solar callus and becoming more resilient when it comes to sun exposure. In addition to that, red light therapy has multitudes of uh, other benefits. So get to juve.com. That's J-O-O-V-V.com, juve.com slash Luke. Enter the code Luke at checkout and get some kind of free gift. I don't even know what it is. Maybe it's a hat or some shit. I'm not sure. I wish the free gift was like an extra red light, but, um, you know, I think they're too expensive for that. But anyway, juve.com slash Luke. And then for some amazing spore-based probiotics and some other great immune products and what else is Just Thrive? They have a great K2 product, actually. Go to justthrivehealth.com. That's justthrivehealth.com. And the code there is Luke15, and that saves you 15% off. If you're going to take one probiotic, Just Thrive's probiotic would be the one I'd recommend. I'm currently, you know, I always have to be honest. Now, I have a bunch of their probiotics, and I was on it for a long time. Help me. I'm doing an experiment with this other really crazy thing right now, so I can't take probiotics. But when I get back on them, I'm going to be back on my Just Thrive. So I always like to be honest when I say like, I use these every day. I do use them every day, but I'm on a break right at the moment because I'm doing a weird experiment I'll tell you guys about later. So that, my friends, is solo episode 295. Wow, what a doozy. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you learned something. I hope you're inspired. Uh, If that was indeed the case, please, by all means, share this show with a friend, someone you love. Maybe even someone you don't like that much. Maybe they'll awaken and become a better friend or lover as a result of hearing this particular episode. Who knows? It's worth a shot. I really appreciate the support. 
I appreciate those reviews. You guys doing all those posts on your Instagram stories. I see that every day. So many people are like posting what they liked about an episode with a swipe up. Um, it's incredibly helpful and supportive to the mission here and helps give me the, me the energy to do these two-hour solo shows. And I promise you next time I'm going to do it in 60 minutes or under. I swear to God, if I don't, I don't know what, do something like email my website and scream at me and make me not do that to myself again. But uh, hopefully since you made it to the end, you enjoyed the show. And for that and for you, I am eternally grateful. See you on the next one.